Hey, this is Aaron Brockett, lead pastor of Traders Point Church. Regardless of where you are tuning in around the world or if you call Indianapolis home, I just wanna thank you for tuning in to our weekly message podcast. Our prayer and desire is that God would take the content of these messages and use it to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus as you discover God's purpose for your life. If that don't get you hyped to come to church, I don't know what will. Man. What's good, church? How are you? Doing all right? Good. Good. Hey, I, I think we need to, before we jump into the sermon and all that jazz, I think we need to do a couple things. One, I think we always need to, and the reason we always want to celebrate people that come for the first time, we can never lose sight of how difficult it is to walk into church for the first time. And so across all of our campuses, can we just welcome all of our first-time visitors, give it up for them, let them know how grateful we are for them. You know, if you, if you are new around here, our, our mission is very, very simple. Is that we want to remove unnecessary barriers that keep people from Jesus. We, we just see that within our culture and within our own lives and within our, 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 our upbringings and, and even within our churches sometimes, we put up some unnecessary barriers that have maybe prevented you from ever even giving Jesus a chance in your life. And so we just want to remove all of those so that you can get to Jesus. Because we believe if you can get to Jesus, he can change everything for you because he's changed everything for us. And then once you get to Jesus, that's kind of like the starting line. Because then we want to cheer you on in your spiritual growth and in your spiritual development. We want to give you some tools and a path that you can follow to, to start growing and, and to get connected here. And that's really the importance of Growth Track. Growth Track happens after every service at every campus. Go out to the lobby, look for the signs for it. But it is your best next step to get connected and start growing here. And that's super important. Because we believe that church works best not when it's something that you just observe and attend but when you're really invested and you're a part of what's going on and you're involved and you're on mission with Jesus. So that's our hope for you. And today, you picked a great Sunday to start tracking with us because we are starting a brand new teaching series called Gains, all right, Gains. Now, if you're not a, uh, a person who's familiar with, with weightlifting, which I clearly am, why would you, I cannot believe you people laughed at that. They did first service too. Uh, Gains is a weightlifting term, right? Like this is like a, you know, you try and get swole, you're trying to get huge, you're trying to like get like all that work in the weight room is going to pay off and you're going to get big and strong, you're going to get some gains, right? And so this series, what we're going to do is we're going to take four weeks, we're going to go through a little book of the Bible called 2 Timothy, we're going to go chapter by chapter for four weeks, and we're just going to unpack what it has to say to us and, and our hope and our prayers that we'd see some gains in our lives spiritually, that we'd become more like the people that God created us to be. And, and I think this series is gonna be really impactful for us uh, in, in a couple of ways. One, because I think that it, it's really gonna help us center around our purpose. And how, how, how do we really like make the most out of this life that we've been given? And, and, and that's a really important question for all of us. And, and, and it's, it's actually a question that all of us ask, whether or not you've been following Jesus for a long time or you just got started, or maybe you're here and you wouldn't consider yourself yet a follower of Jesus. This series is, is, is even important for you in that, in that regard. Because all of us are asking the question of purpose. Like, I, I think most of us have this fear in the back of our mind that we're going to get to the end of our life and we're going to look back and feel like we left something on the table or, or we wasted our days somehow, some way. I, I love how one, one preacher that I follow um, uh, put it recently. He said that when you ask questions of purpose, when you ask questions of significance, you almost always end up crashing into God. And I think the same thing can happen for many of you here today, even if you wouldn't consider yourself yet to be a follower of Jesus. So go ahead and grab a Bible and get to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 1. 
And uh, the, 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 today is very simple, okay? Uh, chapter 1 is going gonna, is gonna to lay out for us a simple formula for us to follow if we want to maximize the impact that we can make with our lives. All right, today is a very simple formula. If you want to make the most out of this one life you've been given, follow 2 Timothy chapter 1 because it is a simple formula. Now, remember, I said simple, not easy. Because simple can just be simple, but it can be super hard. And, and, and we're, we're going to get into that today. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 1. If you're ready, I need you to turn to your neighbor on your left or your right and say, either my bracket's busted or my bracket's not busted. Go. Y'all know my bracket ain't busted yet. We were sweating it out. Big Blue Nation, my, my Kentucky Wildcats were sweating it out, but we, are my brackets, you know, admittedly, I had a whole slew of jokes that I was going to open up with this week, basketball related. My wife told me it was not appropriate to do so. Yeah. I'm just, I just, I just think we should all be happy. I think we should all be happy. Except for Butler fans, man, there's next year, but for everybody else, like, we should all be happy, right? We're all still dancing, like, like Purdue. Y'all, what a win last night. What a day. You're still dancing. My, my Kentucky Wildcats are still dancing. The, the Hoosiers are still dancing. They're just at a different dance. It's just a, it's a different dance. I, I couldn't resist it, man. I couldn't. I tried so hard, and I just couldn't, guys. I'm sorry. Don't hate me yet. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. we got to get going. Verse 1. Let's do this. It says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And I've been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. And I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, and I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I, I, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. Now pause for a second because there's some encouragement in there that we need to receive. I think that sometimes when it comes to, especially the New Testament, we read, especially the letters of Paul, we read those first few verses and just kind of like breeze by them because he opens up his letters oftentimes with a lot of similar language. But there's some encouragement in there for us. Especially if you find yourself being someone who is mentoring someone else in the faith or you're helping someone else, like you're pouring your life into someone else and trying to help them come to know Jesus and grow up to be all that God created them to be. There's some encouragement in there. Because this letter was written from Paul, this, this missionary, this great leader in the church, to a young up-and-coming leader named Timothy. And Paul's just giving him everything he's got because he wants to see him get these gains. He wants to see him become all that he was created to be. And can you hear the sincerity in Paul's voice? I mean, he's, he's so he, he loves Timothy so much, he says, I think about you night and day. I, I think about you every time I pray for you. I mean, every time I pray, I'm, I'm thinking, Timothy, I'm thinking about this young leader. And he's, he's, he's so committed to him. He's so excited to see all the ways that Timothy is growing. And in fact, he says, I long to see you. Which is really interesting considering the context of 2 Timothy. Because 2 Timothy was the last letter that we have written by the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote this from a jail cell in Rome. And not long after, he would, uh, he would have his court hearing. He was in jail for refusing to stop talking about Jesus. 
And, and at that court hearing, he would be sentenced to death and executed by the Roman Emperor Nero in the fall of A.D. 67. And this is the last letter we have of him. So these are like, these are his almost dying words to us. And, and Paul knows he's about to die. I mean, Paul knows, like, the, the writing is on the wall. It's, it's not going to come as a surprise to him. He says, Timothy, I long to see you, and it's going to give me great joy when I see you again. And he knows the next time he sees him, it's probably going to be in heaven. But he's just got this joy and this, this excitement to see this young leader develop. And I think that should be great encouragement to us. If you're, if you're leading a group, if you're, if you're a, a, a team leader here at church, if, if you're mentoring someone else, if you're helping someone else come to know Jesus, you need to know it's worth it. When you get to the end of your days, you're going to look back and the thing that's going to have mattered the most to you, the thing that you're going to look back with the most fondness and the most, the most joy of your life is not the experiences you had or the stuff you had. It's going to be the people that you invested your life into. And, and I, love, I love that Paul doesn't just stop with, with his involvement in Timothy's life. He mentions two other people. He says, Timothy, you, you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for your, your mom and your grandma. And, and they, they passed their faith on to you. And man, I love that because isn't that so many of our stories? I mean, so many of us would not be here today were it not for a faithful mother, a faithful grandma who was praying for us every single day, who was getting our sorry butts in church. I'm telling you, it ain't Mother's Day, but we need to celebrate the faithful moms out there. We need to celebrate some faithful grandmas. And I'm telling you, if you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a working mom or you're a grandma who's taking time out of your schedule to go and invest in your grandkids, it is worth it. I firmly believe what Andy Stanley says when he says, your most significant contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Keep going. What you're doing matters. But now Paul's going to pivot. He's going to say, Timothy, you've been given this great foundation of faith. Now it's time to get some gains. Now it's time to get serious. And now he's going to lay out this simple formula for you and I to follow if we want to maximize the impact that we were created to make with our lives. Look at what he says in verse 6. He says, this is why. Now remember, he's talking about the previous section where he said, you've been given this great foundation of faith by me, by your mom, by your grandma. And here's the deal. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. He says, Timothy, you were given this great foundation of faith. You've got people that have poured their lives into you, but not only that, you've got something more going on for you. And he would say the same thing to you today. Regardless of what your spiritual foundation looks like right now, you've got more going for you. That you were created with some gifts. That even if you're here and you don't believe in God, God created you with some gifts. The reason you're good at what you're good at is not because of you, it's because of God. The reason that, you are, that you're passionate about what you're passionate about, the reason you think the way you think is not because you're just that special, it's because that's how God made you. You were created with some gifts and some skills and some abilities. But then when you start following Jesus, it goes next level and you get some spiritual gifts. You get some things that like, you didn't have before you started following Jesus and now you got them. And like, man, you, you have been given some gifts. And I love the, the way that Paul talks about them. He, he speaks of these gifts as if they are red hot with potential. He speaks of these gifts like they have world-changing capacity, because they do. I'm telling you, every single man and woman listening to this right now at every campus, you have got red-hot potential with the gifts that God has given you. You can make a difference with the life that you have, with the gifts that you've been given. I know you may not believe it, but let me tell you, that gift that you've got of encouragement, some of you are the best encouragers in the world. I know that because I believe this church is one of the most encouraging churches in the world. But some of you have a gift of encouragement 
and a gift of mercy. You can meet someone where they're at and feel such sympathy and such love for them. And you can listen. You have a listening ear. And I'm telling you, that gift of encouragement and mercy and a listening ear, it is red hot with potential. Because in a world that's medicating depression and doesn't know how to find courage, Oh, you, you can turn an entire workplace upside down with the gifts of encouragement and mercy. I mean, some of you all, some of y'all have the gift of hospitality. You can open your home and you can cook a meal and you can make someone who's a complete stranger feel welcome and, and at home and connected. And let me tell you, in a world that is so lonely, we're more connected than ever thanks to technology, but we're more lonely than ever. The gift of hospitality can take a neighborhood block and turn it upside down. That gift is red hot with potential. Some of you all have the gift of giving. Let, let me rephrase that. Some of y'all have the gift of, of earning, which means you could have the gift of giving. Some of y'all have the gift of being able to, to build a business and, and earn and, and get promotions, and, and you, you can accrue wealth. And let me tell you, that's a gift. That is a gift that is red hot with potential because that means you could give big. You could earn big, and you could give big. And let me tell you, God does not need your money. The kingdom of God will advance. But oftentimes, the speed at which it advances is in correlation to the generosity of the people of God. And, and you've got potential to turn the world upside down. You've got potential to advance the kingdom like crazy because you can earn big, which means you can, you can give big. See, you've got gifts that are red hot with potential. They could change the world. But Paul says, here's the deal. Just because you have that gift does not mean that you will maximize the impact that you were created to make with your life because you've got to do something with them. Like you've got these gifts and they are in a, a raw form. They are undeveloped. He says you need to take those gifts and you need to fan them into flame. You need to develop them. That's really the first half of this equation. That if you want to maximize your impact, you've got, to, you've got to figure out what you're good at, your gifts, and you've got to develop them. You've got to work hard at them. And this is why growth track is so important. Like today, like this week of growth track will help you understand your gifts and then have some opportunities to start using them because that's what you've got to do. You've got to put your gifts to practice. You gotta start working on it. You gotta get better at the thing you're already somewhat good at. You gotta invite feedback into it. Let me tell you, that process is so brutal. That process is like, you gotta work hard to develop this gift because Paul compares it to a campfire. He says, you need to fan that thing into flame. All right, and, and I'm not sure if, you, if you've ever built a, a fire at like a, a campsite, but I mean, it, it's hard work. You got those little twigs together, you're rubbing them things together, and like feeding a little pit, straw in there, and all of a sudden you're like, whoosh, blowing on that thing. Controlling the smoke. I, I don't know how to make a fire. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I tried with that analogy for a minute. <laughs> I, you don't want me at a campsite. All right? If you're camping, God bless you. I will go home to my house that I pay a mortgage for that provides a roof over my head and a bed to sleep in. Can I get an amen from the homeowners? <laughs> homeowners unite. Y'all campers are crazy. But it looks hard. Like starting a fire at a campsite looks hard. And, and that's what Paul's trying to get at. If you're going to develop your gifts, it's going to be hard work. If you want to maximize the potential of what you've been given, you are going to have to work hard at it and practice it. And I know so many of us, we may feel like we're good at something. And we may have this thing that we feel like is a dream inside of us, is something we could do with our lives. But so many of us just sit on those gifts and we never put them out there for anyone to see. And we never really use them. We never really try to get better at them, primarily because we're scared. And this is what Paul says. He says, hey, you've been given gifts. You've got to fan them into flame. But for you've not been given a spirit of fear and timidity. You've not been given that spirit. And I know some of you are like, oh, but man, what, what, what if I'm not that good at it? Or, or what, what, 
what will people think of me when I, when I put my gift out there? Like, what, like, can I really receive the feedback? Am I really strong enough to handle that? Like, what, what if I experience failure and rejection? You weren't given a spirit of fear. You don't need to walk in fear. You were given a spirit of power, of love, of self-discipline. You were given the same spirit that raised a dead man back to life of his own volition, of his own decision. Jesus came back to life, and that's the spirit that's in you. I feel like somebody needs to hear it right now, that if somebody at one of our campuses, the dream that's inside you, the gift that is in you, that you feel like this is the difference I was supposed to make with my life, but I'm just so scared, the world needs your gift. The world needs your dream. Like the way that you know you were created to make the biggest, I'm telling you, the world is waiting on it. You can't let fear and timidity keep you down. No, you were created for more than that. you got to step out in power and in love and in self-discipline in the confidence that Jesus gave you when he died on a cross and he rose from the dead. And that's the hard work of developing your gift. Now, that's one half of the equation. And I actually think that that part of the equation is the easiest part. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> that's the easy part? Like, come on now. now. I actually think that's the easy part because I think we live in a culture of development. I mean, come on. Whatever you're good at, whatever you're interested in, like, you can find like, a bajillion social media accounts to like give you little like tweets of wisdom all day about it. You can find a book, a blog, a podcast. You can find like a conference, a seminar, and a life coach that for a certain amount of money will help you throughout the whole thing. Like we, we love development as a culture. I think most of us can get over that part of it. I think we can get over the fear and we can walk in some power and some love and some self-discipline and we can, we can develop our gift. But Paul says that's just half of it. Because if you really want to maximize the impact that you were created to make with your life, Paul says it's not just about how you develop your gift, it's about how you deliver your gift. Read with me in verse 8. He says this, so, now so is the connecting word. He's talking about the previous passage again. He's linking these together. So, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And, And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and he called us to live a holy life. And he did this not not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. To show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. I'm going to read those words again, and we're going to respond like the people of God ought to, all right? He has made all this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death, and he illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Come on now. That's life-changing, eternity-changing news. And Paul says if you want to maximize the, the impact that you were created to with your life, you develop your gift, you get as good at that thing that you're good at as you possibly can, but then you deliver it wrapped in a certain message. See, all, all, all good gifts come wrapped in something. You know, you got, you, like if, if, if you show up to a birthday party with, with a gift for somebody and it's not wrapped, like it just kind of loses its oomph, you know? You show up to a birthday party, you're like, hey, I got you this ice scraper. <laughs> they're gonna do the fake like, oh, thank you. In the back of, the, back of their mind, they're thinking, we're not friends. <laughs> you're not getting invited next year. But now you take that ice scraper and you wrap that sucker up and put it in a gift bag and it looks all nice and neat. You hand it to them and they open it and they're like, oh my gosh, you noticed that I didn't have an ice scraper? (laughs) These Indiana winters are horrible. Thank you so much. 
How, how you wrap a gift and how you deliver it matters. Like oftentimes that sets the tone for how it's received. My, my wife is always telling me this. She actually told me several years ago, she said, hey, if you, if you really want to show love and affection to me, um, when it comes to Christmas and birthday time, wrap my gifts very nice and neat. Like do a good job on wrapping my gifts. That's a way that you can love me. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. My wife told me practically what to do to show her love. Men in the room, you know that like never happens. It's like school of hard knocks style. Just figure it out, man. But no, she like told me. But when she told me that, I was like, you married the wrong dude. I can't do it. I'm the worst gift wrapper in the world. I can't figure out how much paper to cut. It's my one problem. I either cut too little and then there's that strip on the box at the bottom that's not covered and I just hide that on the bottom. Or I cut too much and you know what happens if you cut too much. You gotta like jam all that stuff on one end and like just shove it. You got one like really fat end of the box. You try to hide that thing. I can't do it. But I get it because her gifts to me are wrapped. I mean, she's like a gift wrapping ninja. It's amazing. All of my gifts, I'm like, I don't even care what's inside. I don't wanna open it. It's like a work of art. But it does, it shows a great level, of, and it changes how I receive the gift. And Paul says, if you, want to, if you want to maximize the impact of the gift you've been given, you have to wrap that gift and deliver it in the message of Jesus. In the message of the one who gave you the gift to begin with. In the message of the one who broke the power of death, and he illuminated the way for you to have life to the full, now and forever. You've got to wrap your gift in, in that message if you want to maximize the impact. The problem for us, though, is that's, that's not the way we usually wrap our gifts. That, that's usually not the message that we wrap them up and deliver them in. I, 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 think, I think most of us sometimes fall prey to wrapping up our gifts and delivering them in the message of self-promotion. You know, like, you... you, you you develop your gift and you get really good at it. And guess what? When you get really good at it and you start using it out, out in the world and, and people are blessed by it, people are going to ask you about it. Like, like, how did you get so good at that? Like, man, like, what, like what, what led you to that? Like, man, it's so cool that you do that. Where did you learn that? Or like, why do you do what you do? And in that moment, I think sometimes we wrap our gift up and we deliver it with a message that focuses on us. Well, it's just what I'm good at, you know. And uh, I've got a business I'm working on and, you know, it's just my, my way of contributing and it's like, well, that's, that's kind of like self-promoting. You're trying to build the brand of yourself, trying to get a few more followers, trying to get a few more, few more clients, and you're building yourself. Or, 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 or maybe sometimes we wrap our gift in the message, not of self-promotion, but of hard work. I know I do, I, I'm often guilty of this. People are like, hey, you know, you, you're good at X, Y, Z. I'm like, well, I've been working for years on it. You don't, you don't know what I did back behind the scenes. You don't, you don't know when I was preaching to a room full of 20 middle schoolers and they're looking at me like I was an idiot. That's the forges, the, the, the fire that the preachers are forged in is student ministry. If you, if you don't know a youth minister, you need to pray for a youth minister. And all that does is point to yourself. You're like, oh, well, I'm good at what I did because of hard work or because my mama taught me or because my daddy raised me. Like, no, hard, hard work, okay? That's not wrong. It's not wrong. You worked hard at what you're good at. But that's just not the message that will maximize the impact of your gift. Now, I, I think sometimes what, what most of us fall prey to is we wrap our gift up, and when someone asks us about it, we deliver it to them in the message of morality. Um, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to be a good person, just trying to spread love. You know, I'm just trying to make the world a little bit, little, little bit better place. Just trying to leave it better than I found it. And you know, that's, that's, not a, that's not like a wrong or evil thing to say. It just neutralizes the power of the gift you've been given. And, and it minimizes the effectiveness of it. You see, you, you, you aren't a teacher. 
you don't have incredible patience with students, with, with young kids or with teenagers, and, and you, don't, you don't spend hour after hour with them during the day and then hour after hour grading their papers because you get summers off. That's not why you do what you do. Let me, let me tell you, t- teachers, you work way too long and you're not paid nearly enough for a summer off to be your, the reason for your existence. That's not why you do what you do. All the teachers in the room just self-identified. I love it. No, 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 you, you are patient with them and you, you want to develop a relationship with your students and you want to invest in them and develop them because that's a reflection of the patience that you receive from God and the way that he loves you and, 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 and the, the, the relationship that he wants to develop with you. You're trying to show them who God is like. See, the, the reason that you are so good at, at, at encouragement, the reason you want to sit with people and listen to their problems and really help them is because God sits with you. And God encourages you and God helps you through problems. You're just passing on what you receive from God. The reason that you, you earn big so you can give big is not just so you can make the world a better place. It's because you're trying to show people how much God has given and you can never outgive God. You can never outgive him. He's, he's given way too much. He gave up his whole life for us. The reason you're hospitable, the, the reason you open, you open up your home and you cook a good meal is not because you just love people or because you know, you're, you're a relational person or that's, that's what your family did. No, no, no. When you open up your home to people and you cook a meal for them, you are showing them the very heart of God because there's always room at the table in the kingdom of God. And when you come and trust your life to Jesus, there is a feast that is prepared for you. I'm telling you, you are communicating to people the very nature of God with your gift. See, your gift, if you want to maximize the impact, you develop that thing, you work hard at it, and then when it comes to delivering it and, and giving people a reason for why you are the way you are and why you do what you do, you wrap that thing in the message of Jesus. You wrap that thing in the, in, in the message of the only one who can actually change anyone. And, and that's the way you maximize your gift. Now, that's simple. Raise your hand if that sounds easy. <laughs> I think we can do the, the develop part, but the, the deliver part... I mean, come on, as soon as, as soon as Paul said, so never be, what, what's the word he uses in verse 8? He says, so we should never be, everybody say the word out loud at all of our camps, says never be ashamed. Paul knew what Timothy was going to struggle with, and he knew what you and I were going to struggle with, that we can develop it all day, we can get good at it, but when it comes to that point where we got to actually speak the name of Jesus and tell someone about him and give a reason for all, the, all that's happening in our lives, we would feel that like hot feeling where your neck's starting to get red, and your tongue's getting swollen, and you don't know how you're going to say your words, and all of a sudden you forgot English. Like, he, he knew. He knew. You know, I, I remember when I first started following Jesus, I, was, I came to Christ at 17 years old. And so I didn't grow up in church. I didn't get the Bible stories. I wasn't used to preaching. I didn't, I didn't, I'd never really heard that many sermons before. And so I remember, like, the first several sermons I heard on the topic of evangelism in my first few years of following Jesus. And I always just thought the message was really weird. Like the, the, the guys I was listening to, the preachers I was listening to, was just like, I just don't, I don't think they get it. Because the message I heard on evangelism and being able to tell others about Jesus almost always went something like this. So you, you, you like movies, right? Yeah. You like food, right? Yeah. Well, you know, you have no problem recommending the latest summer blockbuster movie that you saw, and you have no problem recommending the latest taco joint that you saw. Well, isn't Jesus better than movies and tacos? I'm like, did we really just go there? 
He's like, well, you should talk about Jesus as easily and freely as you talk about all these other things in life because he deserves it and he's way better. And I'm like, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. These two conversations are, are nothing alike. <laughs> I mean, come on, we're talking about like one is like tacos and movies, in, inconsequential. Maybe you waste two hours of your life. The other's talking about like heaven and hell and eternity. And it's a, it's a, it's a weighty conversation. I, mean, I just came to the conclusion that these preachers must have either never told anyone about Jesus outside of a church building. Very possible. Or just maybe be the most socially inept people in all of the world. Also possible. It just doesn't make any sense. And so I just want to like level it with you. If you feel like ashamed or nervous about talking about Jesus, like outside of the church building, you're not crazy. It's hard. And, and, and there's a reason that Paul said this to this young up and coming leader, like don't be ashamed. Because he knew, he knew what we were gonna be feeling in this moment. He knew that to maximize our impact, we'd have to be unashamed. And that is so hard, but Paul's path to becoming unashamed, oh my goodness, it is not what you would think. Because I don't know, for, like, for me, I would think, all right, so Paul, if you don't want me to be ashamed, what do I do? Do I like memorize a sales pitch? Like memorize a few verses of scripture, get an accountability partner, role play, like, hey, you act like the person that doesn't know Jesus, and then I'll talk, and then we'll switch. No. No, that's not what he says. He actually says something very different. Look at verse 12. He explains how he overcame that fear and that shame. Verse 12, it says, that is why I'm suffering here in prison, meaning the message of Jesus and, and being unashamed for it. That's why I'm suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it. Here it is. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Paul says, I, I'm not ashamed. I'll tell anyone about Jesus. I'll, po I'll, po I'll point my entire life to him. But it's not a sales pitch that I memorized. The reason that I'm not ashamed anymore is because I know the one in whom I trust, Jesus, and I know that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. What did Paul trust Jesus with? Everything. He trusts him with everything his whole life. I mean, Paul, Paul's career was heading down a path. He, he was born into and trained up and educated to be a Jewish religious professional. And, and he was heading down that road. And then because of Jesus, everything changed. And so he trusted Jesus with a complete career shift. And not only just a career shift, an entire relationship shift. I mean, he had to like leave these people that he had been so, uh, so accustomed to working with, people that were opposed to Christianity. And now Paul's got to trust Jesus and go start making friends with people in the church, the people he was just trying to kill. He had to trust Jesus with his career, with his relationships, with his money. I mean, Paul became a tent maker on the side to fund his preaching ministry. Paul, Paul had to trust Jesus with everything. He had to trust him with, with his marital status. Paul was single and celibate, never married. He had to trust Jesus with that. He had to trust Jesus all the way up until now where we read these words where he's about to die. And even in death, he trusted Jesus. At one point, he would say, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I don't, trust Jesus. I don't just trust Jesus with my life. I trust him with my death. He had trusted him completely. See, Paul knew that if you want to talk more, you've got to trust more. If you, if you, want, to, if you, if you want to, like, increase and get these gains and, like, be able to, to talk about Jesus unashamed, you, you've actually got to trust Jesus more that your talking game will always match 
your, your trusting game. You need to increase the weight that you're putting on Jesus to, to trust him with. You know, this is so similar to, to, to working out. Back, back when I was working out, I always use the was tense of the verb. Back when I was working out, I, I, I was in this gym, and there was this, uh, this instructor who was teaching a class. And, and I remember, like, he was, he was teaching me all the motions, right? All, like, the like, deadlift and, like, squat and snatch, like, all these, like, whoa, feeling, like, huge. And, like, and, like, by the time I learned the motion, and, like, I put a little bit of weight on the bar, and I felt good about it. Just, just about the time where, like, I was feeling good, he'd be like, all right, hey, you need to load the bar with a little more. Increase the weight. I'm like, would you back off of me? I'm feeling good right now, okay? I'm not sweating as profusely, okay? This is going better. He's like, no, no, no. If you want to get stronger, you got to load the bar. you got to increase the weight. You're not going to get bigger if you, don't, if you don't put more weight on the bar, if you don't load that bar with more. So you need to load the bar. And so then I'd load the bar, and I'd be sweating profusely for a few more weeks. And about a month later, I'd be getting a little bit more comfortable with it, not sweating as profusely. And he'd say, hey, all right, you're doing great. Load the bar again. And, but, but, but that's true in, when it comes to building muscle. If you want to get bigger, you've got you've to increase the weight. You've got to load the bar. And, and, and Jesus, the same principle works here. And that's what Paul's trying to get us to say. If you want to talk more about Jesus, if you want to grow and get these gains and be unashamed to talk to people about Jesus, it's not, the, the, the secret is not found in a sales pitch. The secret is found in loading the bar and trusting him with more. Not trusting yourself. I'm not, I'm not talking about loading the bar with more for you to lift and prove how strong you are. I'm talking about trusting Jesus with more of your life. See, let, let's, let's just think through this for a second. So many of us are ashamed to talk about Jesus, but just look at your life for a second. What have you trusted him with? I mean, if you've only trusted him to show up to church a few times a month and sing a few songs, man, no wonder you're not going to be talking about him. You've not trusted him with much. You've not trusted him with your finances yet. And I'm not talking about just giving to the church. I'm talking about, like, being a wise steward of your money like the Bible teaches. Man, if you would trust Jesus with that, load the bar with that weight, and just see if he can handle it. See, see if he can handle the weight that you put on there. See if he can handle the weight of your schedule. You know, I think, I think so many of us, we, I mean, when you ask someone how they're doing, what's the first words that come out of their mouth? Ah, oh, busy. Busy. Man, what if you trusted Jesus and loaded the bar with your time? And you said, hey, I'm going to sacrifice 30 minutes out of my morning. I'm going to wake up a little earlier. I'm going to get to work a little later. And I'm going I'm to sacrifice 30 minutes of my day to read your word and to pray and try to figure out how to pray and how to understand the Bible. And it's going to be hard, and I don't know if it's going to be great. But you know what? I, I'm going to sacrifice a night of my week. And Jesus, I'm going to load the bar with more weight. I'm going to give you another night of my week. And I'm going to be a part of a group where i got to sit around with some people that are struggling with the same things I'm struggling with and talk about my feelings and talk about what God's teaching me. That's going to be weird. But I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to load the bar. And, and watch what he does. Because he is able to guard what you entrust to him. He is able to handle that weight. And I'm telling you what will happen is you will get three, four, five weeks into it and you will go, oh my gosh, I may have less free time. I may have less available nights in my week, but the rest of my week is so much different because of that time I sacrificed to the Lord, because of that time I gave to him. I'm more joyful. I'm more at peace. Like everything has changed and I don't feel like I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off anymore. This is amazing. And then guess what? You trusted God with that. You saw he was faithful. The next time someone says they're busy, you won't be able to stop talking about him. 
you won't be able to stop sharing the story of, oh, hey, I felt that same way recently. But you know what I did? I started trusting God with my time, and I started doing X, Y, Z. And, man, everything changed for me. And all of a sudden, you don't have to figure out a sales pitch. It's coming from a place of authentic life transformation, which is where the best communication comes from. I'm telling you, some of y'all need to trust Jesus. You need to load the bar right now with your marriage, with your, with your dating life. I mean, some of y'all are in a relationship right now where you aren't married yet, you're not engaged yet, but it's heading that way. And you need to load the bar, you need to put that weight on Jesus, and, and you need to listen to that still small voice in your head that's saying, hey, they may be fine, but they ain't walking with the Lord, so I don't need to walk down the aisle to them. And so I'm gonna trust you with it. And it's painful, and I don't even know if you can handle it, Jesus, but watch him, watch him handle it. See, if you wanna talk more, you've gotta trust more. You've got to put more of the weight of your life onto Jesus and see his faithfulness and his strength. And then the words and the courage and the boldness will flow from there. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're like, all right, Petey, you ain't getting me now. You ain't getting me with this because I see what you're doing, Petey. I see what you're doing. You're, you're trying to get me to give all of myself to God. I mean, you're talking about my skills and my abilities. And like, if I want to maximize the, the impact I make with my life, I got to tell people about Jesus. And if I'm going to tell people about Jesus, then I got to trust Jesus with all my circumstances. Like, you're trying to get me to give all of myself to God. I ain't trying to get you to do it. He's trying to get you to do it. God's not out, God's not out to get half of your life. God's not out to get half of your heart. God's not out just to help you get better at your job. No, he wants you to love him with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. He wants to invade every area of your life. He wants you wholly and fully surrendered to him like Paul. Like Paul in that prison cell, getting ready to die and saying, I trust you, Jesus, in life or death, wholly surrendered. God wants a church full of people, wholly surrendered, letting him take, take our lives letting him rule every aspect of our lives, putting the full weight of our lives on the bar and knowing that, that he can handle it. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what area of, of your life that you need to trust to him. That's a conversation between you and God. And so that's the best thing we can do right now is just pray and uh, talk to God about it. So let me pray for you and then spend some time with him. Jesus, we love you. And um, we thank you that you bore the weight of our sin that all these circumstances that we're struggling to trust you with right now, they pale in comparison to the weight that you lifted for us when you took on the burden of our sin and you stretched out your arms and you died on the cross for us. God, help us to never lose sight of that, to let that be the primary thing that fuels us to courageously tell people about you. But God, right now, I pray in addition to that, that you would meet us right now in this place and that you would search our hearts and you would search our mind you would help us to see what areas of our lives we're not trusting you with. And you'd help us in, in courage to load the bar with that, to give it to you and to see your faithfulness at work, to see your strength at work. God, we love you. Meet us in these moments and speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.